Hey, I'm Jesse. We're continuing our journey verse by verse through the text. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Yesterday we saw Paul instruct men to lift up holy hands without anger, without argument, praying. This applies to all congregations. Here's verse 9. Also, the women are to dress themselves in modest clothing with decency and good sense, not with elaborate hairstyles, gold, pearls, or expensive apparel, but with good works as is proper for women who profess to worship God. Modesty has come under fire by uh, a culture today, uh, our, our culture today, and it's, it seems to be something that's attacked by uh, women who are part of a church and then left the church, and there definitely are some churches that go too far with it and miss the point entirely. Here's the thing about modesty. Uh, this is God speaking through Paul to Timothy, recorded in Scripture, the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the expectation. This is the instruction. Men, this is not for you and I to obey. This is for women to adhere to or to ignore or to outright defy if they will. But either way, you and I cannot use the immodesty of a woman to rationalize our own sexual sin. If a woman dresses, dresses immodestly in church, look, man, it's up to you to avoid temptation, okay? That's up to you to deal with, you. It's not her fault if you sin. It's your fault if you sin. But when it comes to modesty, my sister's in Christ. The way that my, my bride views this is that this is her adhering to what Scripture says, and it's out of consideration for her brothers in Christ. As a youth pastor in Florida, when you're gonna go do mission work and minister to all the people who are flocking to the beaches, you know, you, you face a difficult, a difficult situation there because you're like, okay, I've got, I've got 300 teenagers here and it's summertime and it's in Florida and it's hot outside. And, you know, growing up culturally as a Floridian is really common, we all, we all, swim, you know, we surf, we go to the beach, we have pool parties, like it's the only way you can really get through the, the Florida summer. I've learned since moving away from Florida that it's it's weird to be shirtless in public. <laughs> As a little boy, I grew up thinking that's, that's quite commonplace, you know, actually it saved us a lot on laundry. <laughs> you know, you just wear board shorts every day, all day, you don't even worry about the shirt. And that was just a cultural thing, it was it was culturally normal to just kind of grow up thinking this and believing this and, and, and just conducting ourselves that way. It's just, it's Florida, it's 110 degrees in the middle of July. Uh, so no, you know, we're gonna wear our swimsuits to the 4th of July party and it's gonna be fun and we're gonna be fine. Now, when it came time for church functions, uh, as a youth pastor, we had this thing called the Holy Moo Moo. <laughs> and like, that was what the, that was what the, the young women in the ministry would wear you know, and it was not anything that we, uh, we didn't make a huge deal out of it. It was something that the, the female leaders in the student ministry talked to the young women about. Uh, it was actually a really, really like sacrificial gesture on the part of the young women in this ministry to come spend like a week in ministry on the beach wearing, you know, just t-shirts so that they didn't cause their brothers in Christ. It didn't even come up. It wasn't an issue. There was nothing sexualized about it at all. There couldn't possibly have been. They just took that 
off the table, completely removed that out of the equation, and the focus was exclusively on ministry, and people were saved. And then at the end of it, when we rallied, I remember speaking to the men and saying, you guys you have to understand something. Like, for a young woman to come to the beach every day for a week and not get a tan, like in Florida, that's a huge sacrifice. Okay, if you're going to go to the beach every day, you hope to at least be more tan by the end of that week. I was like, but boys, you got to understand, like, your sisters in Christ sacrificed that so that things wouldn't get weird here, so that we could just focus on ministry, like give it up for your sisters in Christ. And so they thanked their sisters in Christ for being willing to do that for them. It was a selfless gesture. It was them adhering to standards of, of modesty. But even if they had gone in the typical swimsuits or even more risque swimsuits than, than is culturally acceptable, I would still call upon the young men not to have even a hint of sexual morality. We also probably wouldn't have done beach ministry in that context. But because we did, we were able to do this without issue. And it was a, it was a God-honoring thing that the Lord used to bear fruit. Standards of modesty, you know, can be cultural from one to another. You know, uh, for example, I've been preaching in Brazil, helping out church plants, you know, and there's a, there's a, a mom with a baby, the baby gets hungry mid-sermon, and here we go. You know, like nursing mothers, culture to culture, have different, you know, cultural expectations around them. And so as you're preaching, you just got to keep on preaching. You know, that's, that's totally normal in that culture. In Brazil, their standards of modesty are quite different. It's similar to Florida because it's just hot there. <laughs> and and it's, it's different. They also have things like Carnival, which you and I, you know, even as, as, as Americans, we might find immodest, but culturally it's a little bit more normal there. Sometimes it can get out of hand. But modesty will differ culture to culture, context to context, and even climate to climate, really. But but what matters specifically is that the scripture is honored. Women are to dress themselves in modest clothing with decency and good sense. I think that's what that's really what it comes down to. He's not, he doesn't give he doesn't get legalistic here. Okay, it's not like uh, it's not like 1950s school where a principal's walking around with a ruler measuring young women's skirts or something. It, use good sense. You know modesty. You know what it is. You know whether you're being immodest or not. You know this. So just use good sense, not with elaborate hairstyles or gold and pearls or expensive apparel. Okay, uh, does this, does, Jesse, does this mean that women are not allowed to wear gold or pearls to church? The, the examples that he's giving uh, go on the heels of the word good sense. Okay, not with elaborate hairstyles, gold, pearls, or expensive apparel, but with good works. It's far more important to be a godly woman of integrity as evidenced by the good works that you do than to have an elaborate hairstyle or gold jewelry or things like this. Um, this, is, this is the expectation as per the word of God with good works as is proper for a woman who professes to worship God. There's a similar message in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 1. In the same way, wives submit to yourselves to your own husbands so that even if some disobey the word, they may be won over without a word by the way their wives live. Okay, 1 Peter 3, 1, if you are, by the way, I think that, I think the converse of that also applies. I've seen that. I've seen, I've seen marriages in which the husband is the first guy to get saved. And he's like, uh, how do I lead my wife to Christ? And I'm like, okay, Paul, uh, Peter's instructions to wives were to just lead a godly life and their husbands would get saved. The same thing I think applies to you. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. There are a couple of men in our church who were the first Christians in their marriages and they just had to like stay strong and lead a godly life. And their wives came to faith in Christ. The original recipients of 1 Peter 3.1 were the wives of uh, Cappadocia, Pontus, Galatia, Bithynia. But it's true today as well, even of husbands. 
when they observe your pure, reverent lives, verse 2 says, don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles, the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. See, the same standard came up in Peter's writing to the church under the persecution of Nero in Rome. But rather, what is inside the heart, the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For in the past, the holy women who put their hope in God also adorned themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him lowercase l, Lord, meaning I'm going to follow your lead. You have become her children when you do what is good and do not fear any intimidation. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with the weaker partner, meaning the more cherished, the more delicate, showing them honor as co-heirs, meaning you don't have first dibs on the gospel, okay? Co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. You see that, husbands, if you're indelicate with your wives, it's going to hinder your prayer life. So 1 Peter chapter 3 gives this same message that Peter gave to the church of Rome. That's the same message that Paul gives to the church at Corinth. Let your beauty not be in outward appearances. Let it be right here in the heart. Now, men, likewise, you and I can make the same case. He's speaking specifically to the women of Corinth at this point, but I think the same thing is true of you and me. Don't let your beauty, your handsomeness, if you will, be just what you look like on the outside. Let it be true of your heart. It's not like God expects women to have integrity. Not emphasizing the outward appearance, but right here, and expects men to be totally shallow as can be. Obviously not. Obviously not. He's confronting an issue that was prevalent within the church of Corinth. There was, an, there was a certain air of spiritual immaturity. You had a lot of people who had just been saved out of straight-up pagan lifestyles, and for that reason, this needed to be delved into specifically. Watch these instructions as they unfold. Tomorrow's text is going to be even more offensive. So if you're offended today, you're in luck. Tomorrow's going to be way more offensive. The standard for modesty is to be implemented with good sense. That's what the text literally said. Uh, Jesse, why are you as a man telling women this? Look, man, I'm just like doing my job. I'm just reading what the Word of God says. Don't get mad at me in an ad hominem attack. I didn't write this. God did. This is the standard, and I, I believe it, and I stand by it. It's good. It's literally never failed for thousands of years. It begins with men lifting up their hands and praying, and then the standard for women, look, don't worry about the outward stuff, the elaborate hairstyles and all your jewelry. Don't worry about that. No, it's here, in your heart. Good works. This is what has been proper for women who profess to worship God. And then the next verse that we're going to read tomorrow, probably the least popular verse in the Bible today.